0: Every winter since 2001, my home parish of St. Stephen's in Durham, North Carolina, has led a diocesan health mission trip to an area called the United Communities in southern Honduras. From the very beginning of our involvement in Honduras, the focus has been on building relationship with the people in the United Communities and working together to obtain sustainability for these six villages and towns. One of the initiatives that they focused on for sustainability was health, and at the invitation of the United Communities, the health mission was developed. The medical clinics that we host are set up so that there is a doctor or a nurse, a Honduran healthcare promoter and an interpreter in each consult area. And during the patient consults, training frequently occurs back and forth. The medical professional trains the healthcare promoter about how to diagnose and treat various illnesses, and the healthcare promoter trains the physician or the nurse about the cultural customs that affect the health of individuals and about the natural herbal treatment methods for various injuries and illnesses. The years that I participated on the health mission teams, I worked in a clinic in Los Toredos, which is a small village of about 40 households nestled in a small valley up high in the mountains. To get there, we rode in the back of a pickup truck down the Pan American Highway and about an hour up a jarring dirt road. Most people came in or out of that village on foot or on horseback. And in fact, the entire week that we were there, the only motor vehicle that we saw come into the village was the one that dropped us off and later returned to pick us up. Los Toreros has a two-room schoolhouse, which is where we held the medical clinic. The school building is made of cement blocks, which run about halfway up the wall and then screens, which run the rest of the way up to the roof. The screens let in air and light, but they did not provide a lot of privacy for medical consultations. So we strung up rope across the room and hung sheets to quadrant off sections to have private consultation areas. Of course, you could hear everything that was being said through the thin sheets, but at least there was some visual privacy. The village has no electricity and no running water. So we closed the clinic promptly at 5 o'clock each day because the sunlight would start to fade and we couldn't see the patients sitting in front of us. And many people had come to the clinic from the surrounding villages and had traveled several hours just to be there. In the course of our four-and-a-half-day clinic, we saw well over 1,000 patients. Lee was a nurse that I worked with in the clinic for two years in a row. The second year, she and I both noticed that we saw some of the same patients returning to the clinic with the same problem. After dinner one evening, about halfway through that second trip, she told me how frustrated she was. She was frustrated because of the huge number of people we had seen in the clinic who were ill from unclean water. She was frustrated that the majority of the children who came to the clinic were infested with parasites because they ran around without any shoes on their feet. She ranted to me, there are simple solutions that would eradicate these problems. If they would simply add Clorox to their water or boil it, then the water would be clean enough to drink without getting sick. And if the parents would just make their children wear shoes, they wouldn't suffer from malnutrition issues because of the infestation of parasites. This was something that many of the type A personalities on our team struggled with each and every year. Here are the problems. Here are the solutions. Problem solved. The next day, as we sat around together waiting for lunch to be served, Lee and I decided to talk with Gloria, who is one of the Honduran healthcare promoters that we had been working with all week. She explained that it's not that the parents don't want the kids to be healthy, but for many parents, it comes down to the choice of putting food on the table for their household of 12, or buying shoes for their kids to wear. And so the parents choose food, knowing that they will then need to take their child to the health care promoter to be treated for parasites. Gloria continued, and with the water, many people can't stand the taste of the Clorox in their water, or if they boil it, they can't tolerate the flavor of smoke because they boil the water over an open flame. When that is all that you have to drink day in and day out, many people simply cannot stand those awful flavors in their water, and so they choose to drink untreated water that tastes good and learn to live with the diarrhea. As Lee and I listened to the full reality of our patients' lives, and we began to see that the solutions that we offered weren't realistic ones. In fact, we realized that the suggestions that we had offered to our patients weren't even suggestions that we could live with ourselves. The first year that we hosted the medical clinic in that village, we had relied on the boiled water to keep our team hydrated throughout the day as we worked. We tried to cover up the taste of smoke by adding packets of Kool-Aid into our watered bottles. But even that fruity flavor didn't mask the the strong taste of smoke. And so many of our team members struggled to stay hydrated and had problems with dehydration. So the next year we stopped on our way to the village and bought some purified bottled water, bought several gallons of it to bring with us to keep the medical team hydrated how could we prescribe something that we weren't willing to do ourselves? We thought we had an answer to the health problems that this community faced, but the more we developed our relationship with the various community members, more and more of the complexities of the problem were shared with us, and we realized that a real solution could only come about by working together to address all of the complexities. On another trip, I spent some time in a different region of Honduras, in Copan Ruinas. This town, like many towns, had a huge unemployment problem. Many of the men were unemployed, and they spent their days in the town square, hanging around and talking with one another, waiting for the occasional offer of day labor. As I talked with some of the women that I'd formed friendships with, They said that the men were demoralized. They said that the um, they saw the work that needed to be done in their community, and their response was, "Why should we do it? Why should we build the community center or the school when a church group will come in and build it for us?" The women explained it was not laziness that the men were expressing; it was a sense of defeat they felt helpless. Through these conversations, I began to realize how you go about doing your work in the world is as important, if not more important, than what you do. The schools and the community centers that these mission teams built were definitely needed in, the, in these communities. But an unintended side effect of all this mission work was a sense of learned helplessness in the community. The people had been disenfranchised. The men no longer had a sense of investment in their community. The work of building real relationships between the mission teams and the Honduran community had not been done. The community had not been involved in working to promote the health and development of their own town. And that had a drastic impact on the men of that town, leaving them with a sense of helplessness and low self-worth, which was exacerbated by the difficulties of obtaining employment. Mission work, the work of God, is about relationship, working for right relationship with God and with our neighbor, It is not about simply doing good acts, but about building the kingdom of God. This happens when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be known, and when we put in the work to know others. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John away with him up into the mountain. He doesn't need these three disciples there for the transfiguration to occur. He doesn't need them there while he speaks with Elijah and Moses. But he invites them to come with him. He invites them to build relationship, to share with them who he really is. Peter initially makes the mistake of seeing without fully understanding. He sees Elijah and Moses and says, Ah, you must be a prophet too so let's build a dwelling to honor each of you. He jumps ahead to trying to be useful. We must be here to pay homage to these three great prophets. Then God speaks and proclaims Jesus as the Son of God. Now Peter truly sees. He knows that Jesus is not merely a prophet and a teacher. He knows who Jesus really is, the beloved, the Son of God. This intimate knowledge of Jesus by these disciples, the vulnerability that Jesus shows in allowing himself to be truly seen and known is what builds the kingdom of God. This intimate knowing, this knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God empowers Peter, James, and John To reassure the disciples after Jesus's death and resurrection to continue his good work if like Peter we take what we see at first glance if we rely only on perfunctory attempts at building relationship and don't truly commit to knowing a person and allowing ourselves to be known then like Peter we might find we have hugely misinterpreted our work in the world and find ourselves building dwellings to honor prophets instead of listening to God who is standing right in front of us. We might find we are building school buildings while tearing down the morale of a town. God calls us to the hard work of building real relationships, right relationships. We do this when we take the time to know and be known. Building relationships requires listening and openness and real presence. It requires that we allow our true selves to be seen, not merely some shadow of ourselves that we project into the world, but our whole selves. In a couple of weeks, we will have the opportunity to build a new relationship as a church. As we begin our companion relationship with the Cathedral of St. Paul in Rio de Janeiro, we will have several opportunities to get to know the Reverend Inamar de Souza, who is the dean of that cathedral. And she is coming here to take the time to get to know us. Mission work whether it happens in foreign lands or right here in this city of Atlanta, it is the work that God has set before us out in the world. It is one of the promises that we make in our baptismal covenant. Will you proclaim by good news and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons? loving your neighbor as yourself. We witness to God through our actions, through the sharing of love for one another. Perhaps it can begin today by our listening to our homeless neighbors and realizing that simply building another shelter will not alleviate the problem of homelessness in our city. And instead, we work with them Listening to the entirety of their stories and then design a system that offers access to mental health care and job skills training program and offers real and meaningful work at the completion of that program. And we offer incentives to employers who hire people with a criminal record. Or maybe we start right here as we continue to build real relationships with one another in this community by allowing ourselves to be known as we serve on committees or in the communities we form through the choir our four-year dinner groups our efm and gift groups and then as we move out from this place into our communities we can begin to allow ourselves to be known as christians as members of all saints We can share with our family and friends and neighbors the freedom that we experience in knowing that we are beloved by God. We can share with them the healing and the joy and peace that we experience in worshiping here. It is risky allowing ourselves to be known, and it takes hard work to truly know others to devote time and patience to growing real relationships. But my friends, the work that God has given us to do is outside those doors, out in the world. It is the work that can only happen through the intentional building of right relationships. Let us go out and build the kingdom of God In silence and in prayer, let us respond to the gospel.